The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Welcome to Sportbox. We're live from Rome in London. Here are your headlines today. Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte resigns with a blistering attack on his deputy Matteo Salvini. He accuses the Lega leader of opportunism in collapsing Rome's coalition for his own political gain. It's clear that the responsibility of a political crisis bears his signature, but if he lacks courage, the courage on a political level, there's no problem as I will assume this courage. I believe this should be the only conclusion, the only one obliged, the transparent, coherent and linear one. The bond market shrugs off the fresh political turmoil while Salvini hits back, claiming he wouldn't change a thing. I would do everything I did again. Everything. I'm a free man. I don't fear Italians' judgment. The Dow breaks a three-day win streak and Asian shares mostly fall as President Trump shows no signs of backing down in his trade war with China and takes aim at Europe, claiming the bloc will give him anything he wants. The EU shoots down Boris Johnson's request to scrap the Irish backstop as the UK Prime Minister prepares for a European tour with stops to meet Angela Merkel and Emmanuel Macron. At this hour, Bayer sells its animal health business to Alanco in a $7.6 billion deal. Alibaba reportedly delays its Hong Kong IPO amid ongoing political unrest in the Chinese territory. And Spider-Man is set to leave the Marvel Universe after Disney and Sony split over financing for the films. Dear Minister of Interior, dear Matteo, by starting this government crisis, you take a great responsibility towards the country. You announced this crisis asking full powers to rule the country. And again recently, I've heard you calling the people in the squares to support you. This idea, allow me to say, is preoccupying me. That was Italian Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte, who delivered a scathing attack on Matteo Salvini during his resignation speech. Conte accused the Lega leader of being selfish and manufacturing a political crisis when he decided to call time on the coalition with Five Star. He also took aim at Salvini's use of religious symbols and alleged links to Russia in a wide-ranging salvo against the divisive interior minister. So what happens next? The big question for markets and voters. President Sergio Mattarella has accepted Conte's resignation and will consult with all parliamentary parties today and tomorrow to see if a new coalition coalition government can be formed. If that's not possible, Mattarella will dissolve parliament, paving the way for snap elections. Here's how Italian bond markets are weathering the latest of political news. There's been a little bit of movement, but don't forget we've pressed lower on global bond yields. So this has provided a little bit of cover for the Italian markets. 1.37% where we're trading on the 10-year bond yield, well and truly off the 1.8% we've witnessed recently on that same trade. Let's get to the villain for more in Rome. A damning speech, as we've just seen in the headlines and a clip that we played out there from Conti, effectively calling out Salvini's personal ambitions in bringing down the government. But Conti's move to resign yesterday 
also a tactical play. So just talk us through the latest villain. So it was a pretty extraordinary scene yesterday inside the Senate chamber, Karen, to be quite honest with you. We had the president of the council, as he's known, the prime minister, Mr. Conte, and either side of him, Luigi Di Maio, the head of the Five Star Movement, and then on his right-hand side, Matteo Salvini. And for large parts of that speech, he essentially attacked Salvini to his face, a man he's worked with for 14 months. Throughout that, Mr. Salvini smirked. He motioned to members of his own party inside the Senate to, to start applauding or start to boo. We had the president of the Senate constantly having to interrupt the jeering and the boos to try and silence the chamber so that the speakers could be heard. And what this really showed is that Mr. Conti has incredible levels of frustration at working with a man that he has accused of opportunism, he has accused of selfishness, and he has essentially said, you've been not doing your work for the last couple of months. Now, critics might say, well, why have you not said any of this publicly? And of course, it's come to this impasse where he feels prepared and necessary for him to, to launch this kind of criticism. In terms of Mr. Salvini, he said, you know, to defend some of these charges and to say he's not been a coward by not pulling his ministers from the government, by not immediately forcing through a motion of no confidence, he said, I would essentially do exactly the same thing if I was elected in fresh elections. Take a listen. I would do everything I did again, everything. I'm a free man and I don't fear Italians' judgment. The main road is the way to the elections, because nothing and no one is better than the Italian people to judge those who worked well and those who didn't. And this is the main road we should take. But if you will, we are here. We have no fear to go on and finish the paved way of this government. The work of this government, a very interesting little aside at the end of that speech from Mr. Salvini, essentially trying to keep open the door that has now been slammed shut by the Five Star Movement to maintain their government cooperation. What we'll see today in the building behind me, the Quirinal Palace, is Sergio Mattarella, the veteran political leader in charge of this state, now trying to find a way out of this crisis in his ideal scenario that avoids a fresh set of elections, either in October, November, or indeed even early next year, well ahead of the expected elections in three and a half years' time. He'll be seeing whether some of the other ex existing political parties inside the Italian parliament are prepared to work together to form a new parliamentary majority. And a lot of that will rest on what's done today at the headquarters of the Partito Democratico. Their executive body will be meeting, trying to decide if they're prepared to work with the Five Star Movement. They've repeatedly and frequently criticised, and they in return have often been on the end, uh, receiving end of a lot of criticism from Five Star Movement. If those two parties are prepared to work together, we could see a new coalition government. If not, it looks very likely that Mr. Mattarella, the president, will have to call fresh elections. Willem, thank you very much for setting the scene. Stay right there. Joining us now around the studio set is Silvia Dallangelo, who is Senior Economist at Hermes Investment Management. Silvia, a number of different scenarios being fleshed out and one that could see Five Star and uh, the Democratic Party team up, almost a stalling process to stop Salvini and some of his momentum. Same too from the President. He doesn't have to call an election. He can hold back right until 2023. So what are the risks for investors where they may see immediate change in the government? or, you know, different change to what they may be expecting as a Salvini-led government? 
Well, it's, it's a very complex context. First of all, uh, this crisis is quite unexpected as it's falling in the middle of the summer, which is typically a very quiet time for Italian politics. But I think that the main point here is that this uh, crisis could really interfere with the budget process. Uh, so the Italian government needs to produce a budget, budget and present it to the European uh, Commission by mid-October. Uh, so budget discussion uh, typically is planned over September and October. And of course, if there's no government in place or if there are like ongoing negotiations uh, about forming a government, uh, that could really create uncertainty and uh, market stress, I would say. Why didn't Salvini just pull the trigger and call for elections right after the European parliamentary elections when it was clear his popularity was on the rise? Now he's effectively given his rivals a chance to regroup. And now it's turned into a much more complicated process than it possibly could have. Uh, yes, that's everybody's <laughs> guess. Um, and well, I also had the opinion that after the European ele elections, there was really a pressure point for the government coalition, given that clearly there had been tensions for uh, a very long time. It was a quite unstable uh, government. Uh, but uh, I have also to say that power tends to be a fairly powerful glue. So uh, I think that's the main reason why the government managed to survive a few more months. Uh, but now as we approach uh, budget negotiations uh, and the time for potentially uh, awkward decisions uh, as basically there's an a VAT increase that will kick in early next year, uh, well, I think that this, uh, well, those tensions uh, came to a head. I want to bring Willem back into the conversation because there's also some suggestion that some of the, the tactical plays here could stretch beyond just Italy and right into the European Parliament, suggesting that there might be a pro-EU alliance between the Democratic Party and Five Star, allowing them to join one big family in the European Parliament, perhaps even team up with Emmanuel Macron's on March. And we know that Italy and France have also been at loggerheads in recent times, particularly Macron versus Salvini. Do you think there could be an overall solution that would present center that stretches beyond Italy's borders? Well, certainly, if you look at the situation of five-star movement MEPs inside the new Europe, European Parliament, they've not been allowed to join any of the larger political groupings. They've been left out on their own in the cold, as it were. And of course, if they were to form an alliance here in Italy with the Partito Democratico, there's every chance that the PD as a party would try and encourage other European parties to allow them into one of those larger groupings, which of course would give them a voice or a seat at the table in Brussels. In terms of the relationship with the rest of the world, if there was to be a new government here, of course, it's very important to look at how Rome and Brussels might interact, but also how Rome and Washington DC might interact. And a PD-involved government would certainly be more amenable to working with the Commission in Brussels down the road, specifically when it comes to things like the budget. They'll be a lot less confrontational. And we heard that really from Matteo Renzi, one of the senior members and former Prime Minister inside the PD in the Senate chamber. We also heard really some quite conciliatory language from the outgoing Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte, an indication perhaps that he would like to stay in the centre stage at some point going forward. When it comes to Italy's relationship with Europe, he had strong words to say about Ursula von der Leyen, the new Commission President, essentially indicating that he supported her because he thought she was the best candidate for Italy. So for investors watching this, I'd imagine that that relationship between Rome and Brussels is going to be key to understanding the significance of any new political maneuverings here in Italy or indeed in Brussels inside the European Parliament.
A great explanation. It's certainly intriguing. It gives investors a sense of how complex the story is. It's, it's not just Italian politics at play here. I want to just move this on to the budget, which you've raised as one of the key points. Some suggestion that uh, even if uh, Salvini is not in charge of the budget, you know, what do investors do there? Because if you look at the, the pricing, some of the elevated fear on bond markets is that there could be a showdown coming. That may not be the case, right? If we see a delay to any of the uh, political ambitions of Salvini, he will not be in charge of the budget negotiations this year. In that scenario, what do investors do on bond markets? Do they take some of the fear out of the trade, potentially and push that 10-year bond yield even closer to German bonds that have marked below the, the negative level to a much greater extent with uh, global bond yields moving south? Uh, well, that's, that's a possibility. Um, I would stress, though, that uh, if Italian yields are so low, uh, is mainly because of ECB uh, accommodation, or let's say promise of uh, ECB easing uh, possibly as early as September. And I think that has really changed uh, the dynamics of Italian debt sustainability, as clearly before uh, any indication from the ECB, um, the sustainability of, of the Italian debt was quite uh, what was at stake. So I think that uh, clearly there are high political risk, uh, high uncertainty, uh, but uh, the ECB has managed to provide a backstop here for uh, the Italian situation. Looking a little bit further down the line, if we were to see a coalition come together between uh, PD and Five Star, I mean, ultimately, couldn't this play into the hands of the populace, play into the hands of Salvini, in that he could stand up and say, look, the political establishment effectively kept me from power, and that gives him more ammunition to rise uh, eventually again, you know, to rise eventually. Yes. So, well, first of all, uh, a coalition between the Five Star Movement and the PD party is not a given, given um, in light of uh, past interactions between the parties. Uh, let's not forget uh, that well, uh, Renzi uh, last year was particularly against the coalition with Five Star Movement and is now changing his mind. And, and of course, you are absolutely correct that uh, a postponement uh, of uh, elections and of basically realization by uh, the League of his like, of his, like huge support uh, would be like another way to fuel support for uh, the League party. So, uh, in a way, uh, Salvini is, a, is in a good position. Sylvia, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Sylvia Dallangelo, Senior Economist at Hermes Investment Management, staying with us. And thank you very much to Willem for the coverage out of Rome this morning. We'll check with you a little bit later on the developments. Let's get a look now on where we stood uh, in the Wall Street session yesterday. We did see stocks retreat after a strong start to the week. Of course, uh, investors across the globe were digesting uh, Prime Minister Giuseppe Conte's resignation. So U.S. markets reacting to that. But really, uh, investors awaiting the Fed minutes later today and the Jackson Hole Symposium later in the week to determine where we go from here. So the Dow ended about to 0.7 percent lower, S&P 500 about 0.8 percent with every sector in the red in the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq down about the same. Now, T President Trump spoke to reporters at the White House yesterday, touching on a number of issues that have been weighing on investors' minds of late U.S.-China trade, the potential for more stimulus uh, from the administration. And on that note, he pushed back against fears of a recession uh, being on the horizon, but confirmed that he is considering various tax reductions. Uh, but not none of this enough to get uh, investors excited about equity 
equities yesterday uh, as we really are awaiting what comes next for Fed policy. Now let's take a look at Treasury markets. Yesterday we saw yields decline after uh, rising in the previous session. So with a 10-year now trading at about 1.57%, uh, the 30-year about 2.05%. So holding above that 2% mark where we saw, uh, which we saw breached last week. Let's move on and take a look at dollar crosses. Currency markets have really been relatively subdued uh, again in the lead up to the Jackson Hole Symposium where investors are looking for more direction as to where rates go from here and how aggressively we may see the U.S. Central Bank ease on the back of the escalation in trade tensions and that inversion of the yield curve. Uh, So right now we're seeing some stability in the euro versus the dollar down about 0.5%. Sterling is down about 0.13%. We did see some movement yesterday in sterling. We'll get into the the Brexit latest in a bit more detail shortly, Uh, but we did see sterling jump yesterday intraday on the back of some uh, some comments from Angela Merkel that were seen as relatively optimistic on the Brexit front. But overall, currency markets relatively subdued. Let's take a look at Asian markets next. Uh, we are, uh, we've seen effectively some flatlining in the Asian space. The Shanghai Composite uh, essentially flat on the session that Hang Seng up uh, about 0.1% and the Nikkei 225 down about 0.3%. So again, a bit of a holding pattern in anticipation of what we may hear from the Federal Reserve. Let's take a look at European opening calls. Uh, we are looking at a bounce in the FTSE MIB, uh, about 52 points higher at the open. Uh, otherwise, a fairly muted session. Uh, uh, certainly, that's what it looks like in the early stages as investors digest what may come next for Italy. Karen. Juliana, thank you. Coming up on the show, Boris Johnson calls the EU negative after it rebuffs a request to tear up the Irish backstop. The latest on a possible Brexit deal next. And if you just can't get enough of Squawk Box, be sure to tune in for our very own podcast. Head to CNBC.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to have a listen and download today's episode. For our listeners out there, stick around for some more. A CNBC signature event. East Tech West, CNBC's exclusive invitation-only retreat returns to Nanshao, Guangzhou, China in 2019. We explore all things tech from artificial intelligence to 5G. Join the world's most prolific investors, inventors and entrepreneurs as they share their stories and celebrate innovation. Visit EastTechWest.com for an application to attend. Welcome back to Squawk Box. Well, President Trump has called off a planned state visit to Denmark after the country's prime minister said Greenland was not for sale to the U.S. Trump tweeted that he would postpone the meeting, adding that he thanked Danish Prime Minister Meta Frederiksen for, quote, being so direct. Frederiksen had earlier rebuffed Trump's plan, saying she hopes, quote, this is not meant seriously. President Trump says he hopes to work out a deal with the EU over car imports. His comments come after the president delayed plans to slap the block with tariffs on imported vehicles earlier this year. Trump praised EU Commissioner President Jean-Claude Juncker, but added that the U.S. held sway over Brussels during ongoing negotiations. Dealing with the European Union is very difficult. Uh, They drive a hard bargain. Uh, They're represented by Jean-Claude, who is... uh, a friend of mine, but he's a tough man. He's a very, very tough man. He's a great negotiator. 
And we have all the cars in this country because all we'd have to do is tax their cars and they would give us anything they wanted because they send millions of Mercedes over, they send millions of BMWs over. But wonder how he feels about the UK as a negotiating partner. Well, uh, UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson is expected to reiterate his call to drop the Irish backstop when he meets German Chancellor Angela Merkel in Berlin later today. In a letter to European Council President Donald Tusk, Johnson said the plan is, quote, anti-democratic and cannot form part of a Brexit deal. But the European Union has rejected the Prime Minister's attempt to tear up the backstop. Tusk tweeted that opponents to what he called an insurance have no realistic alternatives. The British Prime Minister said the EU's response was less than upbeat. At the moment, it is absolutely true that our friends and partners are a bit negative. And you were getting, you know, I, I saw what uh, Donald Tusk had to say, and, and it, you know, it wasn't redolent of, of, of you know, a sense of, of, of optimism. But I, I think actually we'll get there. I think there is a real sense now that something needs to be done uh, with this backstop. We can't get it through Parliament as it is. So I'm going to go at it very, very um, with a lot of oomph, as you'd expect. And uh, I hope we'll be making some progress in the course of the next few weeks. Meanwhile, Merkel believes a solution can be found to the Irish border problem. As soon as we have a practical regulation on how we can comply with the Good Friday Agreement and still define the border of the single market, we no longer need the backstop. That means, of course, that we will think about practical solutions. And I always say that if you want to find these solutions in the near future, you can find them in a short time. Johnson's meeting with the German Chancellor is the first in a diplomatic dash across Europe. On Thursday, he travels to France for a bilateral meeting with President Emmanuel Macron. On Saturday then, Johnson will attend the G7 summit in Biarritz, where President Trump will sit down with Boris Johnson before seeing any other European leaders. Now, our, our guest, uh, Sylvia Delangelo, senior economist, Hermes Investment Management, is still with us. Sylvia, uh, yesterday, um, really interesting market reaction to Angela Merkel's comments. We saw sterling jump on the back of these comments that she was open to finding a practical solution for the Irish backstop. I mean, so far we've seen tremendous solidarity among EU leaders when it comes to Brexit. What are the chances that Berlin deviates or is willing to put pressure on Dublin to change their stance and perhaps uh, accept something different to what's on the table when it comes to the border? Uh, I think that on the European side, the situation has not really changed. I think that the European Union is still pretty much cohesive uh, as it faces uh, the Brexit challenge. Um, and well, uh, I think that really Angela uh, Merkel yesterday made reference to ch possible changes to the political declaration, uh, which is basically a non-binding uh, document, uh, which is already quite flexible and vague. Uh, and, and therefore, it, it's, it's clearly easier to, to adjust it. Uh, however, I think that uh, all, um, let's say, the, the main uh, elements of the withdrawal agreement, inclu including uh, a backstop for the Irish border, uh, are meant to stay there. And that has not really uh, materially changed. On, on the UK side of things, uh, given that Boris Johnson doesn't have the backing of Parliament at this point, given everything we've heard, to support a, a no-deal scenario, are his, are his comments, is his stance with regards to Brussels really meaningful at this point? I mean, it's, he ultimately is faced with a Parliament who doesn't support him, given what we've heard so far. 
exactly. So at this stage, the match is really this side of the channel in the UK, rather than between the UK and the European Union. Uh, it is clear that there's no agreement on uh, what Brexit should deliver. Uh, and that really, uh, well, that's reflected in Parliament. Uh, and that's really an emanation of what the population really um, thinks about Brexit. And clearly, that's, it's quite divided. Um, so I think that in the next few weeks, we will see a conflict between the government and parliament. Clearly, uh, the government is determined to leave the European Union on the 31st of October, even without a deal with the European Union, while uh, at the same time in parliament there's a, a clear uh, majority, which is against a no-deal Brexit. So uh, we see what tricks both parties will uh, pull out in coming weeks, but I think that the match will really happen this side of the channel in the UK. What do you make of uh, the trade on sterling so far? We've lifted off the lows. I mean, 120 looked like it may, it may be threatened. Uh, it might plunge below that handle, but now we've gone right back up to 120.150. Uh, what do you make of some of the optimism coming back into sterling trade? Well, it is possible that recent optimism is due to uh, the baby steps that Parliament managed to make in the direction of blocking a no-deal uh, Brexit. However, no, no Boris Johnson's optimism that we saw <laughs> in, the, in the clip. Yes. Um, well, I, actually, I mean, Sterling has really experienced uh, its uh, largest drop when Boris Johnson became prime ministers. Uh, and I think that if it is stabilizing, it's also because, uh, well, we have heard um, fewer stories about Brexit. There has been less negative noise, for sure. Uh, but still, the levels are still, uh, are still quite low uh, because there's no clarity uh, about the prospects yes. and uh, a no-deal Brexit is still pretty much a possibility. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Cho. Weekdays on CNBC.